Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Now, if we have any uh, regular listeners who are audiophiles, they will be able to hear that despite promises last week, we're not back in the same room yet. We are not. However, I am in my uh, house here in London, where we usually record the podcast, but I've got COVID. You do, so I couldn't come over. Do you want to know which COVID it is? Uh, is it 18? No. 19. 19. 19. It's COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. I love it when somebody tells me that they've got COVID. I'll say, oh, which one? <laughs> I'm sure they really appreciate that. Yeah, because it's good to make light of these things, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so uh, I, d- I don't even know how long I've had it for. So when we were in Edinburgh, because I'm, I'm pretty much asymptomatic, mm-hmm. and we didn't have any tests with us in Edinburgh. Usually Sarah's always, she loves doing those tests. It makes me feel like I'm a nurse. I quite enjoy it. Mm, but we, did, we didn't. Which Which's your favourite bit of doing the test? Well, that's a good question. I know the bit I don't like is when you have what? to do that kind of 30 second swilling thing, whatever it is. That, I find that very tiresome. Mm. But I tell you what, and I tell you what I like. Yeah. I like swabbing, and you're going to think this is weird. I like swabbing the back of my throat because I don't gag and I feel proud. That's one thing ah, I can do in life. Ah. Mm. I haven't had a throat one for a while, actually. All the ones uh, we've had recently have just been nose only. Yeah, same here, but I like to, like to do the throat as well, just, just to prove that I still can't gag. <laughs> My favourite bit is when you squeeze... Oh, yeah, that's a good bit. Squeeze the tube against the end of the, the bud. Yeah. The, the swab thing. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. That's nice. And the that, flick. Yeah. I like doing the flick. Oh, that's yeah, the good. flick is good. Flick is good. Flick is good. I like how we both follow, follow the instructions to the letter here. Yeah. What's mm. your favourite brand? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. Do you, Are there different brands? I don't know. Do you, ever, do you ever use Orient Jeans? Never heard of it. Oh, because I'll, I'll say this is the one that we seem to have in our house the most often. And I don't ask Sarah where she gets them from. Mm. I think she's she knows someone who knows someone. Black market by the sounds of it. Orient Jeans. <laughs> yes, it's Orient, which doesn't feel like a word that has much place in the modern world. I haven't heard it for a while. And then it's what genes isn't uh, genes as in genetic. Oh. <laughs> it's the name gene, apostrophe no. S. Yes. Really? Yes. And okay. it reminds me of nothing so much as um, 
I've told this story before, but years ago, this years and years ago, there was a local taxi company I used to use. And this one time they sent a driver with whom I had very good rapport. And he was telling me about how reliable he was and how he'd been there for years. And if uh, if I ever need a taxi to the airport guaranteed, somebody I can rely on, then I should ask for him specifically. Mm. I said, great. So what's your name then? And he said, just ask for the Chinaman. Oh, no. You can't I, do I that. will point out he was Chinese. Well, yeah, well, we assumed so. <laughs> yeah. So, so I um, I said, oh, I can't, I can't say that. Tell, tell me your name and ask for you by name. He says, no, no one knows the name. Just if, if you want me, just call up and say you'd like the Chinaman to pick you up. Oh, I couldn't do it. Well, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, no, no. But then I felt really bad because he he wanted my business and he was yeah. great. And he was I think saying, what I could do was for, say, yeah. can I have the man who calls himself the Chinaman? <laughs> That's what I would do. That's what i do. I know, but the horrible truth of it probably is that that wasn't his name for himself in the first place. Oh, right. At some okay. point, he probably just became resigned to it. <laughs> but I'm projecting. I don't know that that was his story. Um so anyway, so yeah, uh, that's my preferred brand anyway, Orient Jeans. Okay. Um, so so here, here we are, and it's uh, the latest edition of the podcast, and I'm, I'm a bit of a flap here. Can you tell them I'm a flap? Oh, no. Sorry, a text message arrived from Sarah mm. saying dinner is outside the loft door. Oh. So Wait. I've now got this thing mm. where we've had takeaway delivered, mm. and it's sitting there outside the door there. Hmm. But what am I supposed to do with that? Like eat throughout the podcast? No, you absolutely can't do that. She she will assume that you can because she would. She but, would do that when yeah, we were doing would. the Succession podcast. She would just eat constantly. I said, "Can't do that." It's not that people don't want to hear that food in your mouth, but I can smell mm. it, and it's really distracting. Mm-hmm. You just have to wait. Sorry. Um, so yeah, we got we got back from Edinburgh. Uh, it was a, a nice farewell to the city last day. Jean and I went round some of the old familiar places where we've been spending time. There was a lovely uh, garden square close to where we were staying, where we'd go every day and play a bit of hide and seek. And uh, we were in there. Jean played with a dog, got talking to the owners. The dog was called Alfie. He was Jack Russell. They were Edinburgh natives. And weirdly, they would regularly go and see shows at the Fringe. In fact, they were planning to see more that day. You never meet people actually from Edinburgh who oh. go to French shows, they always say, oh, yeah, I, I never go, you know. <laughs> That's it's nice. Like, um, it's, it's like living in London and never going to Madame Tussauds. Well, I mean, yes. Which I have me. and I highly recommend, <laughs> but most, most people never do. Mm, so mm. I, I uh, recommended Sarah's show to them. I thought, maybe I should start carrying flyers. <laughs> what, you mean you don't carry flyers for your wife's show? No, 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 no. Other people, uh, other people have that job. But I think maybe I was more effective because they said they were going to do it, go. She didn't mention anything about a dog being in the show, so presumably they left <laughs> Alfie the Jack Russell at home. Um, sure. The reason Sarah wasn't with us in that garden is we had to have some upholstery cleaners over to clean the sofa. Oh, what in happened? The sh- I'll tell you what happened. Sarah is a ruiner. She ruins everything. I'm talking about objects here. She can't, she can't have nice things. Right. So this is... At least the second and possibly the third out of three Edinburgh festivals that she's performed at, where we've needed to get people in to clean the sofa. No. And in, in one of them, we lost our deposit because of a stain that she made. No. On this particular occasion, she lay on the sofa and balanced a small bowl of olive oil on her sternum. Oh, God. Whilst dipping things into it, whilst reclining. 
And of course, the sternum isn't a. Uh, it's got a fine sternum. I don't want to slag off a sternum mm. or anything, but it's it's not a good surface for a bowl of olive oil. She sounds exactly like Tom. If he can balance something very stainworthy, very precariously on the sofa, he will. It drives me mad. Why do they do it? I don't know. Don't take the risk. I say, don't take the risk. So, um, so we got these upholstery cleaners in, and the, and the sofa looked better. So there were, were all when when we checked in, there were already some stains on it, mm. and it looked better than it did when we checked in. Do you think they've got grounds to complain if their sofa is improved? <laughs> no, they've got grounds to give you some money back. I think so too. One thing I won't miss is their pots and pans. Oh, what was wrong with them? They just don't have the array that I'm accustomed to at home. Ooh. <laughs> and I am not a cordon bleu chef or anything. I mean, I, I just have to... In fact, I have to follow recipes so precisely through fear of it going wrong. I just, mm-hmm. that, that, there's this one night, that last night, I wanted to make Sarah a nice dinner because we've been eating so much takeaway and I wanted her to have some home-cooked food because she's worked hard and the fringe is long and it takes its toll. And there's this um, spaghetti and tomato and kale recipe that she likes. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yes, I do, yeah. I thought I'll make her that, bought all the ingredients, looked up the recipe online because even though I've made it 50 times, I can't commit it to memory Mm -hmm. or any recipe for that matter. I always have to have it in front of me. And Mm. the first thing it says is uh, use a large, shallow, lidded pan. Oh, okay. Well, not many. So imagine have a that. bit deeper than a frying pan. Yeah. Why? So we we've got a couple of those at home. You got place... two? Yeah. I have to say, I don't. I don't have one. Right. So I didn't know. I went into Tailspin <laughs> because they had a small, shallow, unlidded pan. No, not good enough. No. And they had a medium-sized, deep lidded pan yeah go for that one go for that one that's what i use for these but then i'm thinking the medium size the surface area of the bottom isn't enough is there a reason why she specified shallow i just wanted (laughs) i wanted to give up and order a takeaway (laughs) but i'd said to sarah i'm gonna make you home cook food tonight and she's dealing with whatever she's dealing with before and doing the show and i had to call her and say do you think i should use the small shallow unlidded or the medium deep lidded Mm. she she gave your answer Yeah, yeah and then i had to call her back because it's it's one of these one pot dishes, and you lay the spaghetti flat on the bottom of the pan, and the pan wasn't the 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 um the diameter wasn't sufficient enough for spaghetti to lay flat. So I called her and said, "What do I do?" <laughs> You're joking. No, and she said, "You snap the spaghetti in half." <laughs> and at that point, I asked myself that I didn't bother her with this question, but I asked myself the question. I wonder. I wonder if I'm actually a moron. <laughs> That that wouldn't occur to me. I can't believe you had that conversation. I mean, what is wrong with me that it wouldn't occur to me? That you could to break you could it. snap it in half. I couldn't solve that problem of the spaghetti being too big for the pan. Wow. I'm sure it was a lot, a very long, tiring month. That's all I can say. That's my And then answer. I made this dish and it just like the tomatoes stuck to the bottom. It didn't turn out mm. well. Um and she, and Sarah came home and she had, a, I mean, she describes, I don't know if it was, but she describes it as a bad last show. She feels right. she didn't have, connect with the audience well. It was subdued. And my first thought wasn't, oh, you poor thing. What do you think it was? Oh, my spaghetti? Good guess. No, it was actually, oh, no, I recommended to that couple with the dog that they should come <laughs> and see it. What will they think of me? <laughs> I feel that I'm droning on at, um, at almost lockdown levels. That was, that, that was, a, there was a lot of droning on there, was it? I wonder if it's the COVID's brought it all back. 
<laughs> there was no droning. Do you not think that's what that was? No, no. Uh, I think it was. Anyway, sorry about that, everybody. Now, just before we get into the email, I've made a decision that goes against my um, usual principles. And the decision is I'm going to eat some of this food during the uh, email from Drifters. Okay. I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What's better, that I mute my microphone Mm. or that if something elicits a reaction from me, that reaction is with food in my mouth? Don't don't mute yourself. If I if I feel that the food noise is becoming intolerable, I'm going to raise my hand like like so, and then okay. you'll know to like quieten it down a bit. Great. All right. Who's the? Can you tell uh, us what, what you're eating? Because I think we need to know. Yeah. So I have. I'm going to show you. Oh. Little a little bowl of hot and sour soup. Nice. Which I really want to slurp, but slurping <laughs> is a particularly be... horrible noise, <laughs> Just, isn't it? Thinking that well, that's a nice quiet food soup, yeah. right? I think Next that, is that some will, kind of cracker. That will, stand, that, will stand, that will stand some reheating. Okay. And then I have some um, fried bean sprouts. Crunchy, okay. And then a load of dried red chilies atop which sit... Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I love nothing more than hearing what other people eat. Mm, mm. And on one hand, I think this is really tedious. On the other hand, I do think there's probably somebody like me listening to this who who just loves hearing what, what I'm eating. Yeah, I'm loving or it. Or at least I'm hoping. Um, it's kind of fake chicken, vegan chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a little deep fried and crispy mm. on a bed of fried red chilies. Dried Spicy. fried red chilies. Yeah. Okay. It's a good job that I am um, not leaving the house at the moment because of the COVID, because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to stray very far from a lavatory until what time are we on now? Nine o'clock, probably early afternoon tomorrow. Okay, nice bit of extra detail. Thank you for that. Okay. I think, I think people like he- hearing about how long it takes uh, stuff to pass through your system <laughs> no, for a full I, evacuation. I think you're wrong. You, you say wrong. that, but we used to do a feature on the radio called The Shitting Forecast, yeah. which is pretty much that. But I think that was the fascination about what people were eating in a day. And that was fascinating. I mean, yes, yes. it re- truly was. Mm. Anyway, anyway, come on, let's move on. Okay, so who's can, the first one from? First one's from Demana. Yesterday, while I was out running some errands, I suddenly started craving cake. A specific cake from a specific cake shop. Now, I could have just walked there, but I was tired and the weather was not amazing. So I thought I'd catch the bus. I got a wooden fork from the supermarket nearby and went to the stop. The bus was due in 10 minutes. I waited patiently, but eight to nine minutes later, I noticed that it was due in 16 minutes. I assumed it was a glitch, but decided to double check it online. According to the website, the bus was supposed to arrive in a minute. As I looked up from my phone, I saw the bus leaving. Confused, Ah. I looked at the timetable at the bus stop again, and the bus I was meant to catch was displayed as due. The next one was in 16 minutes and I realised that I'd mistaken it for one that just left the the stop. I was paralysed with fear that the other people would judge me for missing my bus after 10 minutes of waiting. (laughs) So I panicked and got on the next bus that pulled up without any plan really. I thought it would look odd if I rode the bus for just one stop, so I didn't even get off, even though I was aware that it was the only I was the only one remaining in the direction I was going. Instead, I watched it turn left, adding more and more distance between me and my cake. I got off a few stops later and walked to the cake shop, still holding the wooden fork in hand and wondering why in God's name I didn't just go for any of the reasonable things I could have done, like waiting for the next bus or starting walking immediately. I mean, people would have thought you were insane if you'd started walking. (laughs) 
I you'd have you could to look at the display and sort of harumph a little bit and look at your watch and sigh and shake your head, do a whole pantomime. Fake a phone call. What you mean? You need me there now in the next 10 minutes. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll run. Yeah, Something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Mm. I love that story so much because it hasn't happened to me, but it feels like it's only a matter of time. <laughs> yes, very true. Very true. Okay, this is from Hannah. As a lifelong awkward human, I have many drifter stories. Like when I spent the first year of uni letting one guy call me Sophie without correcting him. And the time a Chaka operative misgendered my baby. So I said, thank you. Yes, he's lovely. And then had to hastily make up a boy's name, Rory. Anyway, my latest social failure occurred this week in a piercing studio. I'd like to point out that I'm not particularly cool. And I got my, oh, damn, to say this, Daith. D-A-I-T-H. Oh? I think it's something on the head. I got my date. I'm going to call it date. I got my date pierced because someone told me it would stop me having migraines. And now I need to have it removed or at least get it taken out temporarily to go for an MRI scan. I didn't stop having migraines. But that's beside the point. I had to go into town with my three-year-old. And when we got to the piercing studio, the very cool staff were standing just inside the doorway with all their cool piercings, which they probably didn't get for medical reasons. So as I entered the silent shop, I felt the immediate pressure to say something. It did not go to plan because I clearly had no plan. Hi, I was going to joke about getting her ears pierced, but of course I'm not going to get her ears pierced. Ha <laughs> ha. Silence. <laughs> not not that people don't get their children's pierced or, or shouldn't, you know, for cultural yeah. reasons. <laughs> Silence. But no, I'm not here for that. Uh, can you take out my earring? It's a closed loop and I don't think it can be removed. To which one of the staff replied that it isn't a closed loop and it can be removed. So I said, oh, OK, thank you. And to try and make it less awkward, just why, I then addressed my daughter and said, so neither of us need you to come in here then. Which she replied with blank disdain. <laughs> Then I was rather hoping to sidle back out of the door, although there were no other patrons to make the situation end, when the piercer asked my daughter if she did want her ears pierced. And because she hasn't developed in my crushing social anxiety, she quite simply said, no, thank you. And we left the shop. So now I, A, could never go back to the one piercing studio I felt confident enough to enter and B, might get my ear stuck inside of an MRI machine because I still don't know how to take the hoop out. Oh, it must be part of the ear then. Right, 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 right. Oh, that was just wonderful. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, I relate to everything except the piercing. Even though, weirdly, at 16, I did get my ears pierced and then have such an adverse reaction that an inordinate amount of green gunk, stinky green gunk Uh, came out of the hole. hmm. And it wasn't even like in um, the Look at Me, I'm Sandra D scene in Greece where I just got a friend to do it. Oh, right. You went to a proper place. Like a jeweller's or something. Hmm. Is that where those things would happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ratners? Would it be Ratners? Quite very possibly. Very mm. possibly. Gerald Ratner was right then about that place. <laughs> is it okay to say that? <laughs> it's closed know. down. Is, it right? still go- is Ratner still going? I'm surely not. Surely. I thought not. he finished it off with those comments. Yeah, I think, I think he it, did. I think he did. I think he did. Let me just double check. Great news. Um, if uh, no website comes up, so it, it can't. Great. It can't you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Good, good, good. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's move on you to the last one. You can buy Ratner's jewellery on Etsy, though. What, like secondhand? Well, I wonder if it's secondhand or people make replicas of uh, Ratner's okay. classics. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Right, Lucy says, I was out for coffee with a friend a few weeks ago. He told me that he'd had a bit of a thing for a mutual friend in the office. But due to COVID, working from home for ages, he hadn't seen her for a long time and was struggling to think of ways to start a conversation. Seeking advice from a fellow drifter will never go well. I suggested he tell her he'd met me for a coffee and I was asking after her, that I wondered how her grandkids and dogs were doing. I figured that should get some chat going as they were topics she and I talked about a lot when we worked together. I met up with my friend two weeks later and the first thing he said was, I've got a bone to pick with you. As a drifter with a constantly guilty conscience, I started to panic about everything I'd said and done in the two weeks since we'd last met. What had I done? He then proceeded to tell me he'd done as I suggested and spoke to this woman, asked after the grandkids and the dog. Her reply, my dog died. He won't be coming to me for dating advice again. I mean, we're all thinking better that than the grandkids, right? <laughs> Wait, I wasn't thinking that, but oh, okay. but yeah, but you're quite right. You're quite right. Or worse still, both. Yeah. Oh, that'd be bad. Yeah, terrible. But it probably wouldn't have been sent in as a fun in either of those situations. <laughs> probably wouldn't have been sent in as a humorous anecdote, would it? <laughs> thinking about it. Probably not. No. Okay. Well, um, Please send us your stories of human interaction gone awry. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yep. I am thinking of this next bit as, um, excuse me, you know, you can go to a certain type of cabaret where you get a bit of uh you, you get a bit of something to eat and you get a, a show at the same time right uh that's how i am thinking of this week's uh way in which you are not a fully functioning adult which you're going to eat all the way through yes it's kind of food related actually is it disrespectful no, i don't care it's fine because I, I, I promise you that i've got utmost respect i will um, hold I'm, up my hand like this if i find if the slurping noises are too much okay okay I'm not going to do the soup. I'll just do the other stuff. What are you eating with, by the way? Hold up what you're eating with. Fork. And a spoon. Uh, oh, okay. This is very interesting. Okay. so I've got, I've got strong opinions on uh, on this stuff. So. Gr- oh, great. Well, this is going yeah. to be a, a wonderful conversation. <laughs> so, you know the smallest spoon in the cutlery set? The smallest yep. one. What do you call yep. it? Teaspoon. You call it a teaspoon, do you? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I feel like it's limiting itself too much with teaspoon, like just to tea. And I think that is very bad in this ever-evolving world. Like it was a mistake made by John the Baptist. He was only ever going to get <laughs> baptism work. And that is very much in decline. You think it's got, been pigeonholed? Very much so. You've got to keep up with the future of work. You're going to get left behind otherwise. It'd be like just having one skill of being a radio presenter, for example. <laughs> I have to say, I didn't expect to be giving careers advice to a teaspoon today. But there you go. Here we are. I don't call it a teaspoon. I call it the little spoon. You could also call it the baby spoon, the bit babyish. I call it yes. the little spoon. Gives it more options. And also, I don't drink the kind of tea that needs to be stirred. So what do I use it for? If you've ever, if you've ever wondered, what does Annabelle eat with a little spoon? Today is your day. Okay. Here we go. Here is everything I eat with a little spoon. The list. Porridge. Oh, no. Any kind of cold cereal. No. Ice cream. If it was a very tiny container, like you in the cinema. Yogurt. Those little tubs. Yogurt's fine, yeah. 
actually any kind of dessert, you name it, jelly, rice pudding, cake, no, tart. No, I'm little only spooning. If it's, it. Only if it's a tiny receptacle. <laughs> I'm little spooning them all, every one of them. <laughs> Anything you can name that's not a main course and needs cutlery, oh. I'm using a little spoon. No, 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 no. Okay, let's move on. What are you calling, what are you calling that bigger spoon that you've got on your hand right now? Um, it's a good question, actually. I don't think it's a soup spoon. Mm. It's not a soup spoon, is it? Because that's a, that's a d- more rounded. I think it's a I think it's a dessert spoon. Yeah, that's it. That's its official title. What but do you call have, it? We, but uh, well, I think I probably would call it a dessert spoon, but I'd oh. probably call it the big spoon. The big spoon. That's what I call it. But but I just want to throw uh, uh, um, throw in that we have an in- we have an intermediate spoon. What a mid range spoon? Yes. Yes. That I would use for most of the things that you just described. So you've got a spoon that's halfway between the little spoon and the big spoon. Yes. And what do you call it? I think I would call that the, the little spoon or the small spoon. I'd call the other one the teaspoon. <laughs> okay, okay. This is, very, yeah. this is so interesting to me. Yes. So I, we have, I'd say this spoon I, I'm holding up now, mm. if I went to an Italian restaurant... Mm. They'd give me that with a fork for my main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other spoon mm. I might have with my starter. They wouldn't be giving me a teaspoon with my starter, would they? Oh, you'd get like a smaller one. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Okay, here's a list of what I eat with the big spoon. You ready? Yep. Soup. That's it. That's it. That's it. I don't use a soup spoon. I don't own one of those because I'm not part of the aristocracy or, or, or your household. <laughs> What are you twirling your pasta onto? I'm not twirling onto anything. I'm twirling into the bowl. So if you okay, so if you've got long pasta, you're not using the spoon to twist it onto. Nope. Okay. Okay. I always think that's a bit kind of pasta 101. Like, like no yeah, one now, actually. Now, now that you, I'm going to be honest. Now that I've said it, I wish that I hadn't because I think I don't sound like the sort of sophisticate <laughs> that I was coming across a, car, uh, a, a, a few minutes earlier when I was talking about the the, the medium sized spoon. Well, wait till you hear about Tom. Yeah. Here's what Tom, my boyfriend. Here's what he eats with a big spoon. Mm. Everything: desserts, cereal, oh, no, pasta, no, spaghetti, no. curry, chili, everything, everything which I find very babyish. So I still also give him a fork when it's my turn to cook, which just sits there unused. He just likes a spoon. Yes, I, th- I, th- I think Sarah, I'm trying to think if she only likes the fork or only likes the spoon, it might be. So I think that anything, many of the things that you're describing should mm. be served with both a fork and a spoon. Right. The curry, the curry, mm-hmm. fork and a spoon. Mm, just a fork, thanks. You want the spoon... <laughs> So how is how is it getting onto your plate then? The curry. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, you mean if I'm so, serving it? Oh, yeah. You, you can use the spoon for serving. Yeah, just not for eating. No, but okay. So you've got a, so it's a you've got a serving spoon. Now who's the aristocrat? <laughs> when I say serving spoon, I mean the big spoon. That's what, serving. an enormous spoon. No, no, just the, 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 you know, the big spoon, the dessert spoon. That's so. What about those ones for zhuzhing up a salad? Oh, I do have two of those. Do you? Yeah, I do. Not the massive ones, not the ones right. that are like oversized. Mm. Another mm. big question for you. This is a big question. In your cutlery drawer, do you have an yes. organiser, a thing to divide up the forks, knives, big and little spoons? We do. 
good. My friend Becky, she has got her cutlery all just mixed up in the drawer. I cannot cope with that kind of chaos. That's terrible. I can cope um, with that kind of chaos. A, is her life a mess? <laughs> I don't know. Everything else is like really tidy. Her drawer is chaos. Well, I can I cope with things the... <laughs> lie in store for her. <laughs> I can cope with that kind of chaos when it comes to Tupperware and clothes oh, yes. and pretty much every <laughs> single thing mixed up chaotically and messy in my house. But not the not the cutlery, just not the cutlery. <laughs> do you know what order your cutlery drawer goes in? Um, I do, yes. Go on. Well, because you're not very visual, I'm surprised if you could do it. No, but I can remember where my hand goes. But um, and and it's. I, I I know that this is weird mm. because I'm about to freak everybody out with what I'm I'm going to tell you. Okay, go on. Um, the cutlery is like at a right angle to the drawer, so everything's sort of facing the wrong way. So it's horizontal. So, if open, so if, yes, exactly. Oh, that's unusual. Yeah, it's because it's because of the type of drawer. Okay, okay, okay. It's like a big. I don't know if you call it a Welsh dresser, but um, that doesn't sound right, does it? Now that I say it. Like what? a Welsh person's dressing in front of a cutlery <laughs> with a load of plates on it. That doesn't sound right. But so, um, so to to get an idea of how how you would think of it, you could rotate it yeah, yeah, in yeah, your yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it goes: forks, knives, big spoons, and then in the side section, little spoons. Okay. Okay. So mine used to go from left to right. They're vertical. Knives, big spoons. No, no, no. no. Well, this is the thing. Forks. And then I've got the little spoons at a bottom horizontal yes, tray. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's fine. My friend Eloise told me in no uncertain terms that I had it wrong and it should be big spoon, knife and fork. Oh, well, she's a crazy person. So what do you think it should be then? Well, it should, it should be fork, then yeah. knife, then spoon. Oh right, well, like like if you're because setting if you a were table. Going to a restaurant, that's how that's how they'd set the table. So I did what I was told, and it was in a WhatsApp conversation. So I have evidence and photos of my change. There was some back and forth over this. This was a year ago. Mm. I went to my cutlery drawer earlier because I had a feeling that something had happened and it wasn't quite right. Tom's rearranged knife... it just to go spoon, 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 spoon. <laughs> The knives had somewhere in that year moved back to the end. Not my doing, not Tom's doing, I checked. I can only conclude they did it themselves, no other answers. <laughs> so it turns out cutlery is sentient. And now I'm feeling awful about how much I neglect the big spoon and how much <laughs> they must prefer Tom to me. And I'll have to start using them more to try and get them to like me too. <laughs> see a late night comedy show towards the end of our stay in edinburgh mm-hmm. and i'll be honest i didn't want to why did you go then 
Because it's somebody Sarah knows and has um, done her various professional kindnesses Mm -hmm. and she wanted to repay the kindness. Okay. It's somebody Sarah likes as a person, Mm -hmm. but neither of us are particularly enamoured with his comedy. Uh, Okay, okay. You can see it's very proficient and people like it. Just not our thing. Okay, okay. It's all subjective, right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, yeah. As Sarah learned from that audience she had in on the uh, on the last night of her run. Right, okay. Yeah, not everything's, everything's for everybody. Right, um, right. Anyway, f- firstly, she finished her show at about quarter past eight, and then we had to kill time until 20 past ten. What'd she do? Go for a walk? Yeah, that's I don't what know. I did. She started like walking up and down streets. Yeah, I don't know. Go for a drink. I'm not going to do that. That's mm. my least favourite social interaction. Because there's nothing... It's not be- just because of the sobriety, but it's, there's no, no structure to it. You don't uh, know if it's going to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yep, always yep. get to sit down. Yeah, Anyway, yep. um, so we just walked around for ages, and then eventually we found ourselves in the queue. And the great thing was a fight broke out in the queue, not a fist fight, but uh, like people yelling at each other. Oh, no thrilling. idea what it was about, mm. but it was really... Um, in some ways, it was better than the comedy show that we were <laughs> Right, okay. The point being, the reason I mentioned that is it was a late-night show, so the audience was a bit more raucous slash drunk than uh, I'm accustomed to seeing these days. Okay. We sit down in our seats, which I ensure are aisle seats, uh, because I like to make a quick exit. Mm-hmm. Some guys come and sit next to us, all of whom are carrying three pints of beer each for a 55-minute comedy show oh in my plastic God. glasses. What? Okay, now, I remember that from when I was a drinker, like feeling like, oh, God, I've got to st- what, what if I'm left without a drink? It's better to stockpile. That's a lot for an hour, isn't it? I don't know. Well, and then they got up and went and got more. Oh, oh, wow. And then oh. the gentleman who was sat immediately next to me, because Sarah was actually on the aisle, got up again and went to the lavatory. By this stage, because he'd budged past me three times, he, he felt obliged on his way back to be kind of friendly. And he, he struck up a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Excruciating. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine it lasted more than two minutes, but we had nothing to say to each other. He was drunk. It, it seems to go on forever. Lights go down, comedy show starts. It turns out that this comedian who I'm not particularly enamoured with, the gentleman next to me, is a fan to the point of laughing at everything he says. Okay. And we're way back. So if I go to a comedy show and I think there's any chance at all that the comedian can see me, no matter how bad it is, I will always try and give warmth with my face and and feign laughter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I'm a long way back, I'll sit there stony-faced. Right, right. Until something actually makes me laugh. But because this guy was enjoying it so much, I then felt obliged to fake laugh for the whole hour so that the guy wouldn't think I was, I thought was better than him or (laughs) I thought his favourite comedian wasn't funny. Oh, no. So that's exhausting. That sounds exhausting. On top of that, I had to wait for a laugh that was big enough in the room that I could whisper to Sarah, who wasn't finding it funny and wasn't laughing. I just want to let you know, I don't really find this funny. I'm just making <laughs> laughter so the guy next to me likes me. <laughs> Which sounds insane. She said, well, she knows me, doesn't she? And she yeah, says, oh, yeah. God, it's exhausting being you. And I thought, it is. But I don't think she was saying it in a spirit of sympathy and kindness. <laughs> the other thing was, by the end of the festival this year, the whole city just felt tired. And part of the reason for that was there's a bin strike on. 
Oh, yeah, I'd heard about this. So it, it looks like photographs of the 70s. Yeah. There's rubbish everywhere. A lot of the comedians I saw were posting Twitter things in solidarity with the uh, with the strike in... Um, and then it said the word bin men then, which feels entirely inappropriate. Which Refuse collector. Refuse collector, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm from the 70s. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot not to call it a dust cart. Oh, no. I want to get, you know, I, I am the person who fully intends to get on board with everything in the modern world. I just sometimes uh, uh, lack the uh, vocabulary. The Same for function to, to recall the correct vocabulary. Um, so, yeah, yeah, in solidarity with them. I noticed that people weren't feeling enough solidarity not to just leave their rubbish in the piles on the street, though. Oh. You know, whatever the outcome of the industrial action, people are still going to have to be cleaning the streets. That'll be a nice first uh, yeah. day back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. felt enough solidarity to take matters of keeping the city tidy into their own hands. Okay, okay. I noticed. Yeah. I suppose that doesn't really help the cause, does it? Because then the, they'd be like, well, maybe you're not needed anyway. <laughs> I don't, anyway, well, let's not get into maybe. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then on the last day, I get a taxi to the station. And the taxi driver is really angry about the rubbish everywhere. However, he is not speaking in solidarity with the uh, striking refuse collectors for whom he, uh, he, he wishes unemployment. He wishes that the council would just sack them all. Oh, right. And I am somebody who, and I think this is an immaturity in me, I tend to just, if there's industrial action, I tend to side with the strikers even if I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which can't be right 100% of the time. So I, I acknowledge that's an immaturity in me, right? Okay, yeah. And maybe, maybe under ordinary circumstances, I wouldn't, 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 uh, wouldn't start arguing with him. I'd go, hmm, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure. That's about as confrontational as I get. But on this occasion, I just found myself going, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Do you want to know why? Why? Polish. The, the driver was Polish. Yeah. And I've identified something in myself that if somebody who grew up in a former Soviet country has an opinion on organised labour, I just think, ah, that probably influences everything they think. I'm just going to I'm just going to allow him to think what he thinks without even giving him a hint that I might disagree with it. Oh, okay. I think that's a very specific prejudice to carry yeah <laughs> i think i give people extra leeway if they grew up under communism yeah yeah there are certain things where i think ah behind the iron curtain you live that life i don't know what that was like that probably influenced mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff and how you see the world it's not my place mm-hmm. to stand up and be counted speak no. up for my beliefs <laughs> To the extent that he then started talking about how much he disliked the English. Oh, really? Without clocking that I was English. Okay. And I found myself just ever so slightly affecting a Scottish accent. No. Just ever so slightly. I'd love to hear what that sounded like. Well, this is the thing I can't do. I, I, I sort of did a joke one on the podcast the other week. I can't do any accents or any impersonations apart from a pilot. <laughs> that That's how... Um, spineless i am that as an english person <laughs> i will sit there in agreement mm-hmm. with somebody like saying terrible things about the english 
Det er de, der skal jo ej. I wish I had your skills. <laughs> Right then, and about Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Okay, first one's from Sally. This is a this is a long email, but okay. I'm going to read it all because I think it's lovely and very much worth it. Great, she and writes, also I can I can eat a bit more of this stuff. You go for it. Being a full time drifter is always problematic. I had to do it, and I hmm. regularly find myself trying to avoid social activities. Those that know me well expect this of me. However, I have a brand new dilemma, which I'm really hoping you could help with in your lovely attic. To give you some background, my husband Jim and I made a life-changing move last year from London to the highlands of Scotland on the West mm. Coast. I was diagnosed with mouth cancer in 2019 and then came COVID. Hubby had worked at Heathrow for many years and of course lockdown meant the big stop button had been pressed. Hubby then received a generous financial offer to leave the airport, so we reflected on our lives and decided to live the dream and move to our beloved Scotland. The old saying of life is too short seemed to be screaming in our ears, and these events don't always occur at exactly the right time. It seemed too good an opportunity to miss, so we went for it. We now live in the most stunning, beautiful remote village, and of course, being a drifter, I've only managed to become acquainted with a few nearby neighbours. Hubby is, of course, much better than me at chatting to people. And I'm sure that some people think that he doesn't really have a wife and that he is making it up. (laughs) When we were viewing the house, it was the location that sold it to us. It has the most gorgeous lock views. And although we knew that the inside of the house wasn't to our liking, we knew we could renovate it and make it special. The first lesson we learned on moving here is that builders are hard to come by. But luckily for us, we discovered that there's a really good builder just a few houses away. Distance wise, it would be a few be a mile down the road. But in these parts, he's still considered to be a neighbour. I've worked hard to overcome feeling uncomfortable in his presence around the house. And I have thought, you're doing well, Sally. Keep that small talk going. Is it time to make another cup of tea? What if he wants a sandwich? I really must get better biscuits in. What can I do to keep out of his way? All regular ongoing daily thoughts during difficult circumstances with dust and rubble everywhere, a ripped out kitchen, having to do the washing up in the garage, toilets removed and everything out of its place. All was going relatively smoothly until one day it happened. A lovely builder said, when this is over, you must come round to us for dinner. Of course, he thinks he's being nice. That's what normal people do, isn't it? But I am not normal. I am a drifter with a capital D. The circumstances would be dreadful enough, but it seems even worse because he and his lovely wife are best friends with our immediate neighbours and it seems inevitable that the evening will be discussed. The mere thought of an evening trying to make small talk fills me with terror. I can feel myself becoming emotional under the pressure just thinking about it, but I just don't know what to say to get out of it. Of course, they won't understand. Few people do. If, and I mean if, I did manage to go and survive the evening, would I then be expected to invite them round? Of course, that would never happen and they'd think badly of me. I need your expert advice on this. How can I get out of this well-meant invitation and still hold my head up high? To give you even further insight into how much of a problem this is, about six months ago, I had to endure a family meal where I met my future daughter-in-law's parents. There were eight of us in total. And during the meal, the conversation flowed amongst everyone there except me. 
I had the internal script in my head of, say something, Sally. For God's sake, say something. But what can I say? I mustn't drop my food down myself like I usually do. If only I could put my napkin up on my chest as a bib like I do at home. See, that's not even normal. Normal people don't have to do that. How long is this hell going to last, I wonder? The meal was coming to a close. Desserts had, and of course, coffee followed. I was still hanging on in there. Not long now, Sally. It'll all be over soon and you will have survived. Then it happened. The mum came back from the toilet and whispered into the ear of her daughter. The whispers spread round the table. We were all invited back to their house for a coffee. Oh no, oh no. By the time the news had reached me, I had already sensed that I wouldn't like it, whatever it was, only it was far worse than I'd imagined. What do they mean? Go back for coffee. You've all just had coffee. What do you want another one for? I could feel my chin start to wobble and a lump form in my throat. So I headed for the safety of the toilet where I talked to myself, desperately trying to pull myself together. I was the only drifter in a group of extroverts. And of course, they all thought it was a lovely idea. We didn't even have our own car because we'd accepted a lift from one of the group. I was trapped and knowing this made it worse. Composure regained, I left the toilet and then the building with everyone else. Into the car I went. In the back seat near the house, my hubby said the worst thing he could possibly say to me. Are you okay? No, I cried. And then a switch went off in my head and the floodgates opened. Once I started, I couldn't stop. I knew I was making a mighty show of myself. But having just got through the meal, this was just another layer too far. On arrival, my future daughter-in-law spotted my distress and quickly took me into the house and through a side room. And she watched in horror as I continued my breakdown. I could hear everyone else arriving and settling in for their lovely chats and banter. And all I could do was weep like a madwoman who'd lost her mind. I was aware that apart from making a mighty show myself, I must look like a panda with a red nose. So I slipped into the toilet and attempted to pull myself together and get more presentable. Did it work? No, of course it didn't. But I knew I couldn't stay in there. I would have to leave the safety of the toilet eventually. Especially as everyone in the group was now aware that I was having a meltdown. What entertainment I'd given everyone. After what felt like a long time, I managed to leave and walk into the room where everyone was and kept my head down. They all carried on chatting, trying not to address the elephant in the room. And the mum approached and quietly asked if I was okay. I told her that I was fine, but that I felt like a plonker. Of course, she was lovely and appeared understanding, but she probably told everyone afterwards that she had a madwoman in her house. I managed to get through the wedding and reception through a sea of alcohol. One of the family commented how much I opened up and how it was great to see me dancing. Little did they realise. So, that is the severity of the situation. It's pretty dire. I somehow need to get out of this well-met invitation from our lovely builder and neighbour. Please help. Oh, to be normal. Oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. Can I start by saying that I totally understand why she had that meltdown? Because I know what it's like to be desperate for something to finish and then knowing you're almost there, knowing you're almost there, and then suddenly like the finish line being extended and how that feels of like, no, I can't do any more. I can't do any more. I hate oh, that yeah. feeling. And, and, and also not, not yeah, so that's part of it. And also I know I said before that for me, going to the pub is the the worst one. But actually being in somebody's house without even the structure of a, a meal to indicate yes. like, when it's okay to leave. Yeah, there's no, Te- there's no terrible, clear end. Terrible. Oh. I mean, I'd, yeah. Oh, 
I really, I really felt feel for, for you. And also the the fact that it's a small community makes it more complicated. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine um, moved from London to like this little seaside fishing village during lockdown, and he says. People think, oh, I'm sick of being, I'm sick of all the people. I'm going to move somewhere quiet. But if you're sick of people, stay in the city. Oh, because, oh. Because it's, you, there's a lot of extras in your life in the city. Yeah. But there's not that many in the main cast. Whereas when you're somewhere small, everyone's in the main cast. Everyone knows oh, each other. interesting. Yeah. yeah you've got, every time you leave your house, like go to the shops, yeah. you're saying hello to 20 people. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You know, you want to live somewhere really if, when there's uh, 24 milk bottles outside your front door and your curtains have been open for six weeks and there's a foul stench, people, people still don't think to, uh, to check in on you. That's where I want to be. So this is a very, very difficult quandary because yes. if she says no, she risks offending the builder yeah. And affecting their place in the community because everyone's going to think, oh, they're a bit... Mm, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, it would be difficult for her to go and it would be very difficult yes. for her to extend the invite back to them. Well, yeah, I wouldn't worry so much about that. It's, okay. it's getting over this in the short... Because uh, I feel as if the, 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 the solution lies in your husband taking one for the team, but it happening in such a way that doesn't seem isn't obvious i don't i don't think the old food poisoning or something like that is is going to uh is going to cut it i so think you're thinking something along the lines of they say yes they get a date an hour before the husband calls up and says uh sally can't make it she's got a terrible migraine but i'm no 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 to- i just oh, don't think okay. no, no. that's no, not going to okay. so so i'm i'm thinking of something whereby you both go but almost as soon as you arrive there is some reason why you have to make your apologies and leave and you don't feel that then that just postpones it that there'll be a rescheduling it probably does it probably does oh this is i mean this is this is hell this is a hellscape and you don't think the husband can just go on his own like oh sally's got a headache she can't come well then do you not feel that if anybody does that, then you uh, don't believe just, them? Every, yeah, every, everyone knows. Everyone. Knows. Does that matter? Does that matter? Well, it depends. Yeah, the, if you're a normal person, no. But like, if you're like me or you or Sally, then sort of obsessing about what people think of you and people thinking that you're antisocial when you're antisocial is a terrible thing. But. <laughs> But there's no other way around it. There's not, there's, unless she just goes and sits through it, they're going to think that she's antisocial. Unless she just gets through it on a sea of alcohol, like that wedding, and ends up dancing yeah, no, but one she, night. But she, so at, least, see, at least she's got that, like you've got. I don't, I, I don't have that. I mean, mm. um, oh, God, this is impossible. Because you are right, actually, that maybe, maybe everybody apart from you sees us at the beginning of a beautiful friendship, and it starts... It's just everyone knows each other's business as well, so you can't. It's so hard. I think she might need to move lie. back to the city. You can't lie. <laughs> no, there's nothing. There's nothing really she can do. Everything she does, they're going to know that she just didn't want to go. They could make any kind of excuses, and it and they'll know. Okay. Could she invent having a job 
in the evenings. It's like a working from home job. <laughs> no, this is too. No, that's too. I don't know why she's a tutor or something teaching things on Zoom. What about some dietary thing where it's impossible for her to eat other people's houses because? No, oh, but that's... people are just people just try and be nice and accommodate mm-hmm. it and say, yeah, "Well, why don't you yeah. bring your thing along? You know, we'd just like to have you there." Okay. I'm going to say something outrageous. Yeah. Could the husband have a quiet word with the builder and say, thank you so much for the invite. And then try and exp- and just try and make some... No, re- no, people don't, <laughs> people don't understand. Sally has got uh, terrible anxiety. And so this, um, one of the reasons why he moved up here was to get away from having to go around to people's house for dinner. talking about your terrible anxiety. Oh, God. <laughs> I just don't know. In, I, I know there's something a, we come back to with some fall out with him, but... fall out with the builder. Yeah, don't pay him. <laughs> go on, like rate a trader and write something really uh, terrible. There we him. go. That will sort it out. Then you'll never be invited around then. Yeah. Um, I know I come back to this with some frequency, but like faking your own death. <laughs> and I know in a small place that's hard, but then you could gain notoriety as the local ghost. <laughs> Could you, and I do think this works sometimes, could you just keep putting it off, putting it off and putting it off until they take the hint? So I, I don't know because I don't live in a small community like that, but mm. I just think all these tactics which we deploy in towns and cities mm, mm, mm. Are, are much harder to get away with yeah, I think you're right. in small communities. Just a lot of like, I'll get back to you with a day and then just never do it. Oh, sorry, yes, I'm, I, I must check. And then eventually they get the hint. Oh, and just yeah, stop yeah. asking. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something I sometimes do is I really go overboard on the enthusiasm for how much I'd like to do it. So basically what you're saying, mm-hmm. which is I'd say, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. I'd love nothing more. Let me get back to you with a day. Yes. So you've front-loaded the enthusiasm. Yeah. And then you never get back to them. And then and then when they ask you again, say, oh, yes, sorry, I just need to speak to my husband because I know there's a few Saturdays when, and oh, you blah, 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 my daughter, blah, blah, oh, you, all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then by the third or fourth time, they're going to stop, aren't they? They're going to stop asking. Yeah. Oh, I don't envy you that. And then do what I was doing. Just then when you when there's no way out, suggest a date so far in the future that it's, that it's bearable to think about and then regret it when you get closer. Yeah, yeah, okay, That's that sounds workable. Okay. But I think Ooh. the overall moral of the story is Mm-mm. either live anonymously in some kind of town, city or large conurbation Mm-mm. or live like a hermit in a cave. Yeah, okay. Small right. communities are not meant for drifters. <laughs> oh, no, as it seems. It does not take a village to raise a drifter. <laughs> right, I've got one more quick one. Uh, this is from Ian. It's part two of his mobile phone quandaries. Mm. He writes, oh, yeah, part one went so well. Yes. <laughs> I give thanks every day that I've yet to encounter the following, but what would be the acceptable response if a stranger were to approach in the street and ask to use my phone to make a call? Obviously, if it's because of a nearby accident or emergency, that's fair enough. But if that were not the case, is it acceptable to ask the stranger the nature of the call first? <laughs> now, I'm going to start straight away. This happened to me recently. So it, really? Ian, you can have what, the benefit of my experience. So I was do? walking around a corner near my house and there was a woman sitting on the floor by a wall. Mm. Now, I'm not going to judge people who like to sit on the floors by walls, but it's not the most normal behaviour of a woman 
in her thirties, let's say. No. And she you, said, you say this is a woman who in your thirties, there was that incident in All right. Um, all right, all right. I wasn't sitting down and anyway. Squatting, <laughs> crouch, yeah, squatting. Yeah, 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 thanks for the word squat, yeah. I was gonna say crouch. Anyway. <laughs> I walked around the corner and she said, Excuse me, uh, can I borrow your phone? Now I've got this paranoia that they're just gonna give them I'm gonna give them a phone and then they're gonna leg it with my phone. Yes. So I lied and I said, Oh, sorry, I don't have it on me. Yes, I don't know, want me. And then, because this was the coming, the walk home from preschool, for about three months after that, every time I went around that corner, I made sure that I didn't have my headphones in and my phone was out of sight, <laughs> out of paranoia. They'd be like, they would catch me out. That is one option. You can just say you don't have it on you. It's not really believable because everyone's got their phone on you, but I think I did say, I'm, I'm thinking, I've got a vague memory of saying, if I'm... If I'm here, oh, I know what I did. I said, I'm just going to pick my son up for preschool. If I'm, if you're here on my way back, you can have it then or something like that. Anyway, you can tell my memory is very poor on this subject. <laughs> so you could, so there's two options. You can either say, I haven't got it on me. Or you can say, sorry, I'm just in a rush. If you're still here on my way back, you can borrow it then. I'd go 10p. <laughs> 10p they'll go unlimited calls mate <laughs> um so as long as you're not going to ring australia a good one yeah but would you give someone a stranger your phone then here's here's the truth yeah it doesn't reflect well on me yeah i think i'd be so desperate for them to like me yeah or not think i'm not the sort of person who wouldn't lend them their phone that even if um even if I'd, I'd seen them on an episode of Crime Watch pulling their stunt to take a phone and run away with it, I'd say, oh, yeah, of course, no problem. <laughs> You'd seen them on Crime Watch. You'd see- Has it ever happened to you? No. Oh, right. Maybe it doesn't happen very much then. <laughs> well, well, maybe I don't look like the person who has a phone. <laughs> Could you pretend? And I know this sounds um, out of touch with the common man, but it's like not having credit on your phone still a thing. Yeah, still a thing. Oh well, there you go. There's it. Say, oh, I've got any credit. Yeah, sorry, no credit. And is it? And is it, if you do let them have it, is it acceptable to ask the stranger the nature of the call first? In in and in those words, I would hope. And, and uh, what is the nature of the call? I don't think so. I think you, you risk sounding like one of the doctor's receptionists. <laughs> Very much so. Okay. Like well, I think that. That, I think you've got a variety of solutions yeah. there for you, yeah. Ian. I hope you're happy, yeah. happy with that. I mean, uh, what I'd like to be able to say is it's not a problem. Uh, I hope you understand that um, uh, this is no reflection on you, but I'd like to keep hold of it. Tell me the number and I'll put it onto speakerphone for you. Oh, you could do that. No, I couldn't because can you imagine those no, words no, not, coming in? No, not you, not you, yeah. but Ian could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I thought well, then what if they wanted to call a chat line? A chat line? What is that? <laughs> They've gone on a time travel to the 80s. Like. <laughs> yeah, I think we did a lot better with Ian's part two than Ian's part one. I think we did, yeah. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. 
hope that we're back in the same room together next week, Annabelle. Yeah, me too. I just, I never like it. And I, I know necessity and all that, but I never like these remote ones. I never enjoy it as mm. much. I think I am. Um, I think I'm less likable over over Zoom or FaceTime than I am in in real life. Not that I think oh. of myself as particularly likable in real life, but I don't think I've come across well on this week's podcast. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've come across as likable, and I, th- I think I don't think I've come across as somebody who has any ability whatsoever at all to judge what makes uh, an interesting topic of conversation. Look, I, I spent at least ten minutes talking about cutlery, so you, honestly, you're fine. Oh, that was that was uh, that was. Uh, <laughs> Stainless steel, that. <laughs> it's solid gold, but it was stainless oh, steel. You've really pulled it back there. <laughs> I think what it is is when you're here, I can see you glazing over. I can read your facial expression a lot better and then uh, adjust my conversation accordingly. But really sorry. I mean, I don't know if anybody made it to the end of this week's episode, but I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like it was, as I say, it was a throwback to the... Uh, uh, to, to whatever unravelling happened during lockdown. So I apologise about that. I had every intention of um, bringing my A game, but it ended up being my Z game. Oh, please. It did. It anyway. did not. Oh, it anyway, did. I'm not going to argue with about okay. it. Okay. I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm just uh, okay. giving an honest appraisal. I'm trying to get ahead of... Whenever I do that, it's because I think everybody else is thinking it, so I don't. I just say it. So they don't message you with it later? Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more my approach in general to life. Okay. I'll say the terrible thing about, about myself so I don't have to think about other people saying about me. But um, I think I think it's, it's definitely true this week. Anyway, uh, thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And um, even though it hasn't been the greatest of episodes, apart from Annabelle's bits and all the contributions from Drifters, uh, I, I would really like to uh, dedicate this episode to Baby Rory. All right, podication time. And here is a familiar name, Frank McNally, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. Please, can you podicate an episode on or around the 30th of August for my wonderful, amazing partner, Sarah Hill, as it's her... <laughs> Excuse me. Um, COVID's kicking in now, right? At the mm. end, during the podication. Sorry, Sarah. Um, I don't know if you've had to listen to the whole episode. I really hope not, because it's not, it's not been vintage. Um, and now here I am coughing at you on your birthday. Sorry about that. Uh, Sarah doesn't look a day over 30. Frank says. Mm. Uh, Frank says, after losing my eye in a freak accident on my post round in September 2018, and with the breakup of my marriage a few years earlier, I'd really hit rock bottom. Life seemed like it was over for a 52-year-old postie with one eye and just a lonely life living on my own, with the only, sorry, with only the gym being a little bit of sunshine on the horizon. Anyway, after a few weeks of recovery... I pulled myself together and couldn't wait to get back to the gym, especially to a class called Legs, Bums and Tums, where a quirky, confident, loud and pretty little bundle of energy called Sarah taught the class. I think she took pity on me, and we gradually got to talking a few words more each Friday after every exhausting class. This gradually built up over the next eight months until June 2019, when I finally built up the courage to ask her out for a date. And so we went on a 10-mile walk, typical gym addict's first date, (laughs) Hartford to Wareham back, 
breaking the walk with a couple of drinks in the middle. That's good for a second, Frank. I did think that maybe you just invited her on your round. <laughs> <laughs> we hit it off almost immediately and we both got each other uh, a weird sense of humour straight away, which we but that was um, me, again, mangling what Frank has written rather than um, Frank's writing, um, which we both agreed we hadn't done in previous relationships. Now, I'm a typical drifter, and Sarah, my Sarah, is the exact opposite. She sounds just like your Sarah, Jeff, loud, confident, and so able to express her feelings wherever and whenever she wants, no matter where she is. But life is never dull when Sarah's around. Also, she tries so hard to get the drifter tendencies out of me, but to no avail. We're not for changing as drifters, we just can't. Yeah, I think Sarah's long since given up on that with me. Um, now, I came across your radio shows years ago, and I was gutted when you packed in the hellhole of Absolute Radio. Um, that was a little thing we used to j- say just for people who won't remember. Uh, it was a, a little running joke, wasn't it? Talk about the ticket out of this hellhole. Mm-hmm. But many happy years, really, mm. if we're honest. Then, um, you know, a couple of uh, less happy ones, but that's that's just staying at the party too long, yep. which isn't something I get to stay, say very often. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so gutted, in fact, I got an amazing evening in the studio with you guys. See photo. I bought in, uh, brought in some of John Lennon's favourite biscuits and you guys laughed at the fact that I used to listen to me on, on my tiny AM FM radio in the gym in my shiny sporty shorts pocket. So I'm going to be honest, Frank, usually when people write emails like this, not usual, but often, I don't remember them, but I remember you really clearly and I, I imagine it's probably because of the biscuits. Yes, I think that, that, that's what stuck in my mind too, funnily enough. Um, but then all the other details as well. I think like the, the, the biscuits made sure that memory was solidified for us, I think. Well, maybe there's a life lesson there. Mm-hmm. There were chocolate Olivers. Yes, yes. I love a chocolate Oliver. Um, I wonder if there are any. They, they tend to um, have production issues in hot weather, so maybe this year there aren't any chocolate Olivers. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know a lot about the chocolate olive manufacturing process. I'm surprised. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. I do. One of, in fact, so here's, here's an interesting detail, I hope, I mean, based on the rest of this week's episode. Who knows if it turns out to be interesting or not. But I think I remember Frank bringing in those chocolate olivers and then sometime afterwards I, um, I got invited to a Beatles-related party Hang on, no, the dates don't add up here. I don't think. When did George Martin die? Was that when we were still on radio? I don't know, I can't remember. I got introduced to George Martin, the Beatles producer, by Giles Martin, his son. Oh yeah, he died in 2016, so that doesn't quite add up. And um, as my small talk, I brought up Chocolate Olivers. And um, George Martin looked kind of bewildered very smiley and nice he was a real gentleman but kind of kind of bewildered and it, the anecdote didn't land which is not an unfamiliar uh sensation to me as a drifter <laughs> giles said to me afterwards he said oh my dad would have loved that story but he's very hard of hearing these days so i could tell he couldn't hear what you were saying oh but that couldn't have been frank it must have been a different thing maybe that was maybe it was when i found out the detail about the production in hot weather <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um Anyway, sorry, I got a little uh, 
a little distracted there, didn't I? So Frank continues. So when lockdown happened, we took a chance and we moved in together and we haven't looked back since. Every day is filled with laughter and fun and a few tears, but no two days are the same in our mad, crazy, busy lives. And our wonderful daughter, Natasha, is just a joy to be around. I now have the perfect family I've always wanted. Lovely. Isn't it? I'm so pleased. I'm so, I'm so pleased. Um you know, I think fondly of those biscuits and then as as your of your visit by association. And then it sounds like twenty eighteen, you know, was obviously very challenging for you. And then to to have a happy ending like this come out of taking a chance during lockdown. It's just wonderful. I love it. So congratulations. Uh, Frank Frank continues, I just want you to tell Sarah that I love her madly. And I want to spend the rest of my life with her. She's the most amazing mother, lover, soulmate, and my best friend. I can't imagine a day without her. Keep up the average work as always. Yours, Frank McNally. How are you doing with the word lover being in there, Annabelle? Frank can do what he wants. He can. Frank can say whatever he wants. I just won't be using that word ever. Weirdly, I bumped into Tom when I was in Edinburgh. Mm. I was with a friend of mine. She said, how do you two know each other? And I said, oh, um, Annabelle is Tom's lover. You didn't. I did. Did she throw I'm so up? Accustomed to, um, uh, so accustomed to, to talking about him as your lover. It was the first thing that fell out of my mouth. And how, and, and how did it land? Well, you know what I'm going to say, because Tom is so socially adept. He managed to smooth the whole thing over, make a joke of it, come across as likeable and distract <laughs> from the fact that I'd even said that. <laughs> okay, that's a relief. So, you know, it, fine, because of Tom, not uh, okay. not because I, I was accidentally sabotaging the small talk. Anyway, let's um, let's let's just say happy birthday to Sarah. Happy uh, birthday, congratulations. Sarah. And thrilled that you found each other. So love to you both and Natasha. Hope you have a wonderful day. And that's the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Frank McNally, to Sarah Hill. If you would like a podication, email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. 
Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 